If you have a Bible with uh, today, we are going to be in the book of Acts, all right, Acts chapter 1. So you can open to that. We will be uh, getting there a little bit later. I have a few things I want to talk about first. And if you don't have a Bible, that's fine. It'll be on the screen behind us, all right? So uh, I want us this morning just to kind of be ready for God to speak to us. Uh, maybe take notes if you have a phone or a piece of paper and a pen, something like that. Uh, just kind of be engaged this morning uh, as we kind of start this. We are going to be starting a, a new series this morning, all right? And I'm incredibly excited about this. Uh, this series is simply called this, To the Ends of the Earth. To the Ends of the Earth. And I'm excited to share uh, with you guys this, this massively important uh, thing, and it, it's important to me personally, uh, it's important to our church, and it's part of a movement that we are part of, and that's what we're going to kind of talk about a little bit today. All right, so over the past six months, kind of the start of this year and, and a little bit of last year, we have been talking about this idea of Western, modern-day American Christianity, and just kind of this apathy and um, just kind of this complacent idea that has set in within Christianity and, and how we want to move beyond that, all right? How we don't want to be content with just the status quo. And so God has been moving our church in this direction and kind of saying, uh, we want to be doing more, we want to be challenged more, we want to be reaching out more. And God is calling us as a church and as individuals to make prayer a bigger part of our life. That was the two last series that we just got out of was this idea of prayer and what it means to us as believers and how important it is in our life. All right, and that, that is something we say, that is part of who we are as River of Life Church is prayer. We pray. And now this series, the next four weeks, we're going to look at something that we would kind of say, this is, this is part two of, of who we are. And part two of where we really feel like God is beginning to challenge us even more as a church over this next year. And we are going to look at the idea of missions. All right, but before we get too far into that, uh, let's, let's take a moment. I want us just to kind of pray together um, and open our hearts for what God has for us. So if you would, if you could across this place, let's stand to our feet this morning. Uh, let's just open in prayer uh, and join me as I pray this. God, we want to hear from you. Lord, we, we gave up time this morning and we're here and I pray that it's not just to check something off of a list. It's not just so that we can say that we went to church, we can see people, but God, we want to hear from you. We want to encounter your presence and we want to be changed because of that. So Lord, I pray right now you just begin to work on our hearts. God, work on our minds and get us into a place where we are ready to hear what you have to say to us today. Not, not my words, God, but we want to hear from you, each and every one of us. So we ask that in your name. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. Uh, we don't talk a whole lot about our denomination as a church. Uh, you know, lots of times people are like, oh, well, what denomination is that church? What denomination is that church? You can kind of look around town. Uh, part of that is just because for the most part, we've found this. Uh, people that don't have a background of church, they, they don't really care because they don't really know. All right, if someone's ever asking, what part of denomination are you in this? Usually they already know denominations. They understand that. They probably have a relationship with God. So we don't spend a lot of time uh, talking about it, but I want to bring it up this morning because it's going to be helpful to our conversation uh, and, and our understanding of a church, of, of why are we the way that we are. And some of that's going to have to do with this. So our church, River of Life Church, is part of, technically we refer to it as a fellowship, not a denomination, and that would be the Assemblies of God. All right, so that is our fellowship. But 
uh, here's the difference between a fellowship and a denomination for us. Uh, every church within the Assemblies of God really is, is uh, autonomous. We are self-governing. There is nobody on the outside that is necessarily telling us what to do or how to do it. All right, but we are part of, of other churches. And, and here's the amazing thing uh, that it does for us. Being part of this fellowship provides accountability. I think it, you can go into dangerous waters when you walk away from denominations and anybody on the outside speaking in. Now, we don't have people on the outside telling us how we have to do things, but we do have people on the outside uh, in case there is a, a massive church issue, uh, something happens, uh, we need somebody to come in if, if there is a, a lawsuit of some type, or even, unfortunately, the world that we live in, this is very common, if something happened in leadership, uh, if as a pastor, if I screwed up majorly, if I, if I were cheating on my wife, or if something like this happened, we have people on the outside to come in and help us walk through those things, give us wisdom, and really hold us as a church, as leadership, myself, accountable in these things. So it's, it's amazing, uh, and we, we love that we can be part of this. It also provides resources. When we go to summer camps, youth conventions for kids, teenagers, uh, men's advance, all of these, that is part of the Assemblies of God uh, denomination, fellowship, kind of coming together. So there'll be guys from all different churches going to this men's advance thing. All right, and it's, it's just been, it's really great for us. Uh, it, it's this kind of perfect in-between spot that we've found. And, and here's uh, a big part of it is missions... It is really beneficial for us to be part of a fellowship because we have a group of people. Every month you see someone up here talking about where God is calling them. They are credentialed through the Assemblies of God. They are part of our fellowship. And what we're going to talk about today is this. Our fellowship, in it, missions matters. Missions really matters. That, that is a massive part of who we are. At the core of who we are, we are a missions-minded church that is part of a, a worldwide missions movement. That, that is who we are. All right, so to help us further understand this, I want to talk a little bit about the history of the Assembly of God. We're going to do this quickly. All right, some of you guys can tell you're already looking at me. You're like, seriously, you're talking about denominations today? Oof, I should not have come this week. This is boring. All right, we're going to go into the history real quickly, but you're going to see why this matters, why this is important, okay? In 1914, 300 believers gathered together in Hot Springs, Arkansas, to start a new church. All right, why do they need to start a new church? Because these believers had basically been kicked out of their churches. Why were they kicked out of their churches? That sounds like a recipe for disaster. You have all these kind of misfits kicked out coming together. Well, the reason why they were kicked out is because their passion, their passion for God, their passion for a work of the Holy Spirit, their passion for missions and evangelism to reach the world was massive. And the churches that they were part of did not really want to be part of that. So we have these believers that come together um, who are just honestly too, too radical in their passions to pray and to dream. And, and what we see as we kind of look at history books of this, uh, the prayer that they said that day as they gathered was this, God, help us to be the greatest work of evangelism the world has ever seen. Right, that, that was the focus of this. What made them different at that point was their passion not only for America, but to reach the nations with the message of Jesus. So of the 300 that gathered that day, 27 would be sent out as missionaries to places 
around the world. Many would end up giving up their, life, uh, their lives, ministering to people in China, Africa, India. Many of them were killed as they went and did this. All right? Fast forward 107 years to today. Those 300 people, including the 27 missionaries, all right, 300 people, are now 69 million worldwide. All right, the vast majority of those being outside the United States. So when we look at the Assemblies of God, it's not a massive uh, fellowship, denomination, whatever you want to call it, whatever you're comfortable with, in the United States. And there's a reason for that. All right, in the United States, we have 3.5 million people in the Assembly of God. But worldwide, we have 69 million. Like, we are just such a small sliver of this. And that is because, from the get-go, the idea was, it is not just about here. It is about sending. It is about going. It is about missions. It is about other countries to the ends of the earth. That's what this was. It paints that picture for us. So to say that the dream of those 300 to evangelize the world, uh, I think, has been incredibly successful. That would be an understatement, to put it that way. All right, you could even argue that it has been the greatest evangelistic movement in the past century. Now, this uh, is countries all over the world, but I want to give like two examples of this, okay? In 1963, a Minnesota Assembly of God missionary named Bruce Olson arrived in Columbia, South America, all right, where he had quickly took residence with this aboriginal tribe uh, known as the Modilone Indians, all right? We've probably never heard of this group of people. There were a little over 5,000 people in this tribe. None of them had ever heard the name of Jesus before. And these people were living in the jungles of South America. At one point, Bruce Olson was, he was kidnapped. Uh, he was given a death sentence among a ton of other things in his life. Like his life was difficult as he was doing this. All right, long story short, 30 years later, Bruce Olson was still living among these people. And it was estimated that over 70% of this tribe had put their faith in Jesus. 70%. Like, the, they had never heard the name of Jesus before. This guy gives his life to living there and literally saying, I might die, but that's fine. This is my cause. And 70%. All right, there are all sorts of stories uh, of missionaries 100 years ago in the Assemblies of God. Uh, so we had one, uh, the first Christian missionary to the African country called Burkina Faso. All right, some of us, most of us have probably never heard of this country. And today, there are estimated between three and four million believers, three to four million Christians in that country of almost 20 million. All right, first missionary to that country was sent, and we see this massive difference that is made. All right, this is the roots of who we are as a church. This is the, the fellowship, the group that we come from. This is the roots of it. This is our history, and this has not changed. This is who we are today. So we are a missions-minded church that is part of a, a massive worldwide missions movement. All right, quickly, I, I want to point you to, as you came in today, there was a card sitting on a chair near you, okay? This card. Hopefully you have one kind of sitting somewhat close to you. And the front just says to the ends of the earth, looking at the back of this. Okay, this is our church last year in 2020, all right, the year of the pandemic. Last year, River of Life Church family, uh, we gave over $142,000 to what we call missions to spread the message of Jesus to those who have never heard. All right, 142,257. Now, this, this is not a competition from one church to the next or anything, but for comparison, if you want to see like this is important to us, that actually puts us in the top 10 in the state of Minnesota of about 250 churches in our fellowship. 
All right, so this, this church out in kind of the middle of nowhere, I'll, I'll put it this way, the other nine churches are all substantially larger than our church, uh, for the most part down in the cities, all these different things. Like we, we believe in missions. This is part of who we are. All right, now some people might be sitting in here today and what you're thinking in your mind is this. Uh, aren't there people right here in Long Prairie that need to hear about Jesus? Absolutely. All right, absolutely. That, that is a big part of who we are. Like it, when you look at this card, you can see that that 142,000 is only 18.6% of our total church income. All right, so that leaves a ton of church income that is still going right here in the U.S., in Minnesota, in Todd County, Sturds County, Long Prairie, Sauk Center, these communities. All right, but we believe in missions. And I want to celebrate the fact that we gave 140,000 to reach people around the world this last year. All right, because th this is who we are. We are missions-minded people and a missions-minded church. All right, so where does all this money go? 52% of it, around 75,000 of it, uh, went to what we call boots on the ground, kind of global missionary support. All right, uh, that's helping fund American missionaries who are living full-time around the world. Their full-time job is to figure out how to reach people with the message of Jesus. As a church family, we are currently supporting uh, 43 missionaries financially uh, each month in 26 different countries. 10% of our total missions giving went to financially support uh, campus missions in America. That would be on middle schools, high schools, uh, secular colleges. We have missionaries that are planted there. We have organizations that are coming alongside students and doing school assemblies in high schools and middle schools, all sorts of things. Uh, we are supporting that as well. 31% goes to what we call missions projects. Uh, we like to build things like Bible training centers, Bible colleges around the world to help train local Christians to pastor their area. We don't just want to send Americans overseas and that's the end game. The end game is to train people and they can minister right there where they live. All right? So over the past couple of years, we've helped finance projects in India, Tanzania, Nepal, all sorts of things. This, this is who we are. All right, we are missions minded as a church and our budget reflects that. All right, you can read more of some of the other things that we're doing on this card, um, but this, this is who we are as a church. All right, and the reason why is this. There's a million different things we could be spending money on. All right, a million different things that we could be investing in. But the reason why we are focused on missions is because of what Jesus said to his disciples right before he left. All right, it's found in the book of Acts. And it tells us the story of what happened after Jesus physically left earth. And it tells the story of the beginning of Christianity right there. And Acts begins with the end of the story uh, of Jesus physically on earth. All right, so it's kind of this transitional period in history. Uh, the Son of God has died a brutal death. He has risen from the grave, and he then gives his followers this mission. And this is what we want to look at today, because uh, we believe this is still our mission today. All right, so Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Here we go. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. All right, so the author of the book of Acts is a man named Luke, and this is his second book. This is a sequel. He wrote the Gospel of Luke, talking about Jesus while he was here. Acts is his second piece, following when Jesus left. All right, so uh, verse 3. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. 
he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. All right, so Jesus gives his disciples this very specific set of instructions. He tells them to wait in Jerusalem until they've received this gift. Uh, and Jesus had already talked about uh, this gift before he was crucified. All right, so uh, clearly here he's talking about the Holy Spirit uh, that would come once he left. Verse 6. Then he gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates. The Father is set by his own authority. All right, now this right here, this verse, shows a massive misunderstanding that the disciples had. All right, the, the disciples, they are clinging to this nationalistic pride that the Messiah was coming to save them, to save Israel. And it is this self-centered, self-focused, nationalistic view of Jesus uh, that was unbelievably far from what Jesus was about and what he came to do. All right, so this modern-day example of what this would look like if this were happening today. This would be Jesus being born in America, dying, raising from the dead, and then American Christians, us, saying, okay, so Jesus, are you now going to lead a march as we head to D.C., and we're going to take over the government, and you're going to rule everything here in America? All right, you're going to go fix this godless political mess that, that our nation is in? Like America is all that matters and our nation, our kingdom is what's important and I don't care about anything else, just America. Except for the disciples, it was Israel. And Jesus, they say, are, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? All right, now don't miss this. Jesus responds, uh, and for these Jewish disciples, what he said would have really made them take a step back. It would have blown their mind. It, it would have shocked them. And he says this in verse 8. Uh, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. All right, so according to Luke, this is the last thing that Jesus says on earth before he floats up and disappears and... We get a really weird explanation of what happens to Jesus there. <laughs> All right. Uh, and, and Jesus says, hey, you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, you'll receive power. And here's what you need to do. You are going to be my witness. All right, do, do we know what a witness is? Think about a court case. A witness is someone that tells about what they saw. That's what a witness is. He says, you're going to be my witness. And he lists off where. He says, you're going to be my witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. All right, so these four places, these four locations, and this is what we're going to talk through quickly this morning, and then we're going to be done. You'll be my witness in Jerusalem. All right, this is the people in your city that are like you. So right now, this morning, think about yourself. This is people right here that are like you. The people that look like you, talk like you, dress like you, eat like you. The people you see every day uh, in the street or in the market or in the temple for them. This is what Jesus was saying to them says, I want you to tell the people in your city that are just like you, tell them about what you have seen and heard in your time with me. All right, so part of the mission as Christians and as a church is that we would reach Long Prairie, we would reach Swanville, Browerville, uh, any other community that's surrounding us with the message of Jesus. That is part of our mission as a church. 
right, that we would tell the people in our city the people that look like us. Second place, Judea. This is the people in your region that still look like you. So take that area, expand it. All right, for the disciples, there would have been about 50 miles or so around Jerusalem that was Judea. And these people would have been fellow Jews. Again, they would have looked like them, talked like them. They are like them. For us, this could be central Minnesota. All right, it could be all of Minnesota. It could be the entire Midwest. This is our region that moves beyond our immediate communities. All right, but specifically, again, people that are like you. This would not include different ethnic groups. It would not include people of different nationalities, different languages. All right, even if those people are living in that region. Understand part of the mission of, of Christians and of us is that we would reach central Minnesota. That's something we always have to remember. And for the disciples and for many of us here today, that's easy. We're like, yes, let's reach those people. They need Jesus. All right, but Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, and Samaria. Now, Samaria, this would be the people in their nation that are not like them, in our nation that are not like you. Samaria in their country, uh, would have, they, they would have even lived among them, all right, but ethnically, they are not like them. And this would have been crazy to the disciples. All right, remember, just a moment ago, the disciples are asking, you know, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel now? Like, that's what they're focusing on. And two lines later, Jesus is telling them, reach out to the people of completely different cultures and ethnicity. Samaria was this region inside the nation of Israel, uh, but everyday normal Jewish people did not, like, live there. They did not really intermix. Samaria was home to Samaritans. All right, and Samaritans were viewed as like this half-breed almost. Like it was really, it was unacceptable to Jewish people. They did not get along. Remember, if you ever heard the parable of the Good Samaritan, there was a reason why this was a big kind of issue for people. All right, and this wasn't just like, I don't like them. This was pure hatred towards these people. A Jewish scholar named Osterly wrote this. The Samaritans were publicly cursed in the synagogues. There would be a time in the worship service when you, as a good Jew, would pause to publicly curse the Samaritans. Like in their church service, they would stop and gather together and they would do that. Uh, he continues, a petition was daily offered up that the Samaritans might not be partakers of eternal life. Essentially, they are sitting there praying, God, don't let any of those people into heaven. Like th this is a pure... Uh, hatred. Like, so for Jesus to say, you are going to go and reach them, when they have spent their life praying that those people would not make it into heaven, and they've spent their life praying with other Jews that these people would be cursed. Like for us, we just kind of think, oh yeah, Jesus said, reach, okay, take one step, keep walking until you reach the end of the earth. That's what I need to reach. You know, for us, this is, this is a big deal. Jesus says, I want you to be my witness. I want you to tell of what you have seen and heard in Samaria. Okay? And these guys, wait, Jesus, aren't you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? No. I want you to go to the Samaritans. So, so what's the context for us? This is people who live around us that are not very much like us. All right? This is people who maybe live in the area and their first language is not English. This is people who believe differently from us. This is people... Um, who you maybe go to another community or, or here in our community and you say, they aren't like me. They celebrate things differently. They have different religions. They have different things that they focus on. 
All right, and, and this, could, this could often even be people that, people that we dislike, that we don't get along with, that we are angry with. This could be people of different uh, political views. People that just think differently, they're in a different spot from you. And Jesus is saying, all right, Jesus is saying he knows exactly what he's saying here. And he says, that's who you need to go to. That's who you need to go to. Part of our missions as Christians and as a church is that we'd reach the people around us that are not like us. No matter what our feelings are, no matter how uncomfortable that makes us, it doesn't matter. This is the mission of Jesus. And the apathetic, complacent Christians in America would say, nah, I don't want to do that. I want to reach people that look like me and think like me. Jesus tells them to go to Samaria. Last place to the ends of the earth. All right. All people outside of America. This one's pretty self-explanatory. All right. Jesus was telling his disciples, take this story everywhere. Understand part of our mission as, as Christians and as a church is that we do everything we can to bring the message of Jesus to people around the world. People that we will probably never see in person. People uh, that live in cultures that are night and day different from ours. People who believe in all sorts of, of different spiritual things from us. People who are in desperate spiritual situations. People who are violent, who are angry, who hate us, doesn't matter. That is part of our mission. All right, this is what the majority of the disciples died doing, was this last portion. Go through and read what happened to the disciples over time. They were going to the ends of the earth and they were killed for it. This is our mission. It hasn't changed. Listen, for us to say, we're American, America is what matters, we need to take care of America, like, it might be a nice American thing to say, but it's not very much like Jesus. All right, and you might not like that, that I just said that. And you know what? America is great. America is my home. Uh, it's where I was born. It's, it's the life I live right here in this nation. But as Christians, to spend all of our efforts, all of our resources, trying to reach people who drive past seven Christian churches every day to work, like that, that, that's just silly to spend all of our resources there. All right, especially when there's millions and billions of people worldwide who have never even had the opportunity to hear about Jesus. It's estimated right now that there are 4,400 languages in our world that still don't have a Bible in their language. 4,400 languages. They cannot read a Bible. No possibility. Every one of those languages represents a massive amount of people that speak that language. They don't know anything about Jesus and they have no hope of hearing anything about Jesus unless those of us that know do something. That, that's where we are at, all right? It's not one or the other. It's not America or the rest of the world. It is both. We are doing both as a church and that's where our focus needs to be, all right? Okay, music team, you guys can come up. We're going to close this out. Next week is going to be important. All right? Next week is going to be super important for us. Basically, this whole week is setting us up for what's going to happen next week. All right? And next week might be a little bit of a challenge. And right now, some of you guys are like, oh, yeah, next week? Challenge? I'm busy. <laughs> All right? I, 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 
Next week is going to be, it's going to be good. It's going to be hard. And I want to challenge us to just be ready for God to speak to us and, and for, for us to be challenged. Because uh, understand this, what we talked about this morning, it is not just something that we do as a church. This is something that we should do as people, as Christians. We talked about this idea when it came to uh, prayer. We said we want to be a church that has a culture of prayer, that as a church we pray. But how does that happen? It happens as, as Christians we pray. And when we get together and we pray, then we are a praying church. And how does missions happen as a church? We as Christians are part of missions. That's what this looks like. That's how this comes together. All right, this, this is important for us to understand. All right, so we're going to ask you to pray a dangerous prayer next week. And it's going to look something like this. God, do you want me to somehow help in spreading your message to the ends of the earth? Do you want me to help in somehow spreading the message to the ends of the earth? All right, and I can tell you right now that if you pray that prayer, I already know what the answer is. All right, it's yes. Like, I, I don't think as a believer you can pray that prayer and God would say, no, you're good. All right, I got my A-team in, you warm the bench. If there's an injury, I'll let you know. It's not how God works. Carrie, you, you guys can just play a little bit here. So we're going to challenge you to pray that prayer next week. All right, now what that looks like God, how do I actually live that out? God, what does it mean for me to be part of bringing the gospel to the world? That's, that's a different question. And I don't know what that answer is for everybody. All right, when we put this to a simple yes or no, I, I can tell you what that answer is going to be. But what it looks like is what we need to spend time in prayer about. All right? Uh, I want us to do this. Can we just stand to our feet kind of across this place? Uh, we're, we're not going to sing a song here at the end. I want us just to spend some time in prayer. All right? I want us to just spend some time right now in prayer. And, and some of us might kind of feel confused by this type of message. Maybe we're fighting it. And this morning, you, maybe you were kind of raised in a way where like missions was way, way down on, ah, no, we don't really do that. All right, maybe that wasn't something you're used to. Maybe this is new. All right, maybe you've grown up in, in a church or in a family that is kind of even against looking outside of your own family, your people, your country. All right, maybe they're against this idea of missions, but I'm not here to argue with you about it. All right, just realize that as a church, we are a missions-minded church and this is not going anywhere. This is a massive part of who we are. All right, this year, somewhere around like 12 million was given from Minnesota to AG Missions. 12 million. That includes teenagers, kids. Our teenagers and kids are so on fire for missions. Can I just tell you that? Last year, during a pandemic, they still gave the teenagers over a million dollars. Our youth group gave somewhere around like $15,000. Teenagers. Our kids, during the month of March, they're doing something like March Missions Madness or something like that. All right? And they're coming up with ways to give to missions. Like, this is who we are as a church, and it's not going 
anywhere. All right. I want us to spend a little bit of time in prayer. I'm just going to kind of lead us in prayer as well during this time. And we'll wrap up for today. Let's do that. God, I pray that you would help us just battle complacency, apathy, Lord, towards some of these things. God, that we would, we would grow closer to you, Lord, that, that, that we would be open to something that maybe we've traditionally been more closed off to. God, and that we'd be open to whatever it is that you're saying to us and how you're leading us. God, that we would just, we would align ourselves more and more with the mission that you have, Jesus. God, that we would take these last words that you said and we would make it part of just who we are as individuals, who we are as a family. God, that, that we would maybe sit down with family members. We would sit down with friends even and just say, hey, here's what I want to do. Here's what God's put on my heart. Help me get there. God, that we would pray for those around the world, the, the, the people that don't even have a Bible in their language, God, that we would spend time praying over those needs. God, that we would actually go and meet some of these needs at some point in our life, that you would challenge us to leave our comfort zone and go and do something about it. God, that we would give so that others who have that full-time call on their life, that they could go and do something and change it. These statistics would not be the same anymore. Jesus, that we could just make an impact. Not just here in our city, but in our world. So God, I pray that you would just begin to put that on our heart. God, that you would just begin to break our hearts. Lord, for other people, for other people groups, for other nations. God, and that we would just have a desire to see this done differently. Last thing before we go this morning. If you're here and, and you would say, you know what, I, I don't think I've actually given my life to Jesus. You're talking about going around the world to reach people. You're talking about trying to reach people here in town. Maybe I walked in here today and I don't feel like I've actually taken that step. And I haven't said, God, I, I want you to lead my life. All right, if that's you this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to change that. I want to give you an opportunity to be part of the family of God, to be part of this mission that we are on. So this morning, maybe as we've been talking, maybe God's been speaking to you and kind of prompting your heart. If that's you this morning and you want to make that decision, I'd ask that you would just slip a hand up this morning. We're not going to embarrass you or put a spotlight on you or anything like that. Just slip your hand up. If you want to talk about that throughout the week, maybe you're feeling anxious of, ah, there's so many questions. What does that mean? What am I signing up for? I would love to get together and talk with you. Let's do this as a church. Let's close this morning in prayer. Can every single one of us right now just kind of turn our attention to God? I don't want you just to listen to me pray. I want you right now, as we close, just to pray you and God right now, all right? God, we just, we come to you.
Jesus, that you would just challenge us, change our hearts. If this is something we're struggling with, maybe right now we feel defensive, we have reasons why we shouldn't be doing this. God, that you would just search us, search our heart, pull that out of us. Why are we feeling that way? God, and that you would, you would use us this week, just begin to speak to us. God, and that we would come next week just ready to be challenged, ready to hear from you. Jesus, we ask this in your name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, thanks for being here this morning. You guys are dismissed.